When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back to the show, MD Nation listeners. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, starting off a brand new mini-series with you all today, which will be two episodes a week for the next four weeks. And then we'll be heavy into the August, heavy into the draft season, where I'll have the projections and the rankings and the first downloadable draft kits available to you from this show for the very first time this week. August. I cannot wait for all that, but until that time comes, we still have a lot that we can talk about now in July. While we're waiting for training camp, waiting for more news to come out, hungry for the football season, getting closer, even so hungry that you might even watch some of the Hall of Fame preseason game. Not the whole thing. I don't think anybody watches the whole thing, but Hard Knocks is coming up. That's something else to look forward to. The crave for football is coming very, very soon, and we still have a lot that we can talk about in the meantime until we are heavy into draft season starting off with this mini-series. What the fantasy analysis by team depth charts is going to cover. It's going to cover a great significant amount of things. It's not just going to be each player's potential fantasy value from each team, which it will include that as well. But we're also going to be talking about what my projected depth charts are going to be ahead of training camp as we will not get the first official ones until the first weeks of camp, until the first preseason games from all the teams. And then, of course, on the website at mdffshow.com, I will be updating you as part of your 
their draft kits on what the depth charts, official depth charts are from each team as we go along. I'll update that along with the rankings, along with the projections as we go, as the more news comes out, as we learn more things, as injuries happen. All that stuff's going to be happening very, very soon. So in the meantime, we're going to be projecting the depth charts. We're going to be projecting what each player's role is expected to be at this time. Talk about touches, talk about potential, talk about maybe bad situations in certain certain players and certain teams so we're gonna be talking about all of that throughout this mini series so it's a very critical mini series an eight-part series like i said two episodes a week for the next four weeks today we're going with the packers the bears the titans and you better stay tuned to the very end of today's episode because i'm going to have a very special guest help us in the last segment of today when we talk about the Cleveland Browns. So make sure you listen all the way through because you are not going to want to miss the breakdown of the Cleveland Browns and who I have coming on to help us out with that. But before we get to all that, we're going to go ahead and get right into this episode. There's not going to be a latest news segment in any of these uh, team uh, fantasy analysis by team depth charts for this series because we are going to be going over player news as we go through each player as well. So unless something earth-shattering happens in the NFL that just, you know, needs to be talked about right away, which at this time of the year, unless it's something very, very negative, I don't expect that to be the case. Uh, We're not going to have a latest news segment because we're going to be going over the player news that has last come out for each player as we go through the depth charts, as we go through the teams. So we're going to save that for the actual podcast itself. So without further ado, we're going to take a quick break, come out on the other side with the Green Bay Packers. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. So when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, I guess we can talk about the first and most obvious business of the day, which is Aaron Rodgers, once again, the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Now look, with Aaron Rodgers, there is a lot of debate as to how high do you take him? How high could he possibly finish? Will he be a top five QB one? Will he be top three? Will he not have that kind of potential going into this year for the first time in a long time after in a, I want to say abysmal, but a down year in 2018. Look, at the end of the day, and we talked about this a little bit in the coaching changes uh, miniseries when we talked about Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers, at the end of the day, it's going to be, is the offense that Matt LaFleur is bringing in with the chemistry with Aaron Rodgers going to make it a better schematic offense that will help Rodgers get more people in position to be able to do things when he, you know, after the catch or put that offense in position just in general to score more, be a little bit more unpredictable, be a little bit more in rhythm for a consistent amount of time, unlike they were able to do so last year. All of those things are going to play into what is Aaron Rodgers' potential. At the end of the day, when you just simply look at it from a fundamental number standpoint, Aaron Rodgers, for a season in which he did play all 16 games, even though he was hurt for almost the entire season, he had 
pretty much career lows nearly across the board. And like I said, in a season where he did still play all 16 games. I expect those numbers to go up. Devontae Adams emerged onto the scene as a superstar last year. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, who unfortunately got hurt, was on his way to having a decent year himself, are all a year older, a year better, a year more developed into their careers. And Scantling showed some flashes last year of the ability that he can possess. Uh, So they have the weapons. Jimmy Graham, there's no way Jimmy Graham only catches one touchdown again this season. I expect him to be more of a red zone threat, especially in a system that's coming from a coach that is used to utilizing the tight end position, especially coming from Tennessee. That was going to be his game plan before Delaney Walker got hurt, and even still the tight ends as a group for the Tennessee Titans performed admirably. I expect Jimmy Graham to be more of a factor in the red zone. So all of these things kind of come into play for Aaron Rodgers. Look, Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day. If they have a competent offense that is able to get consistent play calling and consistent rhythm, there's no reason that Aaron Rodgers cannot be a top five quarterback in fantasy football this season. And being that he has the ability that he has the possibility to be number one, number two, or number three. That is where Aaron Rodgers is. We know his fantasy potential. He is a stud. We'll get into where to draft him when I had the projections and the rankings come out. But for now, we know what Aaron Rodgers is. He is a fantasy guy that should be on your radar if at the right value. Because remember, you don't want to take quarterbacks too early most of the time. Just a quick give you who his backup is going to be, Deshaun Kaiser. If Deshaun Kaiser has to come in for any reason... Uh, it's a significant downgrade for all of the Packer fantasy players. And I would go as far as to say that Deshaun Kaiser himself is not good enough to be considered a streaming quarterback option if Aaron Rodgers was to go down in this offensive system. He's not somebody who I would suddenly be picking up on the waiver wire that I would have the confidence could be able to put up a decent or a competent number of fantasy points from a week-to-week basis. I would not touch him at all. For the running back situation... We know Aaron Jones. We know Jamal Williams. Now, they also have rookie Dexter Williams, and somehow Capri Bibbs is on this roster, but he won't be for long. He's going to probably be one of the first cuts to go, so I wouldn't worry about Capri Bibbs. Dexter Williams is going to be there. I don't know how much Dexter Williams is going to get an opportunity to be able to do anything in his rookie year, given Aaron Jones, given Jamal Williams, given that they're both young. They're not going to be looking to move on from anybody. If anything, what we need to focus on is what is the situation going to be between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams? Is Matt LaFleur truly going to try to use a running back by committee, or is he going to just play the most talented guy in the backfield, not overthink it, and just play Aaron Jones? Yes, he's not as good of a pass blocker as Jamal Williams, but he was showing promise. He was developing and getting better as the season went on before he got injured. Now, that is going to be the one thing that you are going to have to take in consideration with Aaron Jones. That's why Jamal Williams may still, in fact, have fantasy value this season, even if he is not in a committee with Aaron Jones this year, is because he Jones has the unfortunate stigma so far in his young, very young career, so he could still possibly get out of it with a couple of years of consistent performances of not getting hurt, but he has that injury history where he does tend to get hurt. He's either He was suspended at the beginning of last year and still got hurt. The year before, he got hurt when they were trying to use him more as a, work, as a feature type of back as well. Now, 
they were they're not injuries that were a that weren't a chronic situation or to me that would qualify a guy as being injury prone. Uh, I think there were more injuries where he didn't he didn't get off to the start of the season that he would have wanted to. He wasn't going into the year as the bona fide workhorse starter. Last year, remember, he was going to be suspended for the first few games. So this is the first season that he's coming into as the starter on the depth chart, the expected guy to be the leader of the backfield. So I do wonder, with that mindset, if he will have come in more prepared, essentially. So the real question is going to be, Matt LaFleur, what are you going to do? His comments have suggested a running back by committee. But we will see. We know Aaron Rodgers wants Aaron Jones next to him. He wants that playmaker next to him. The last time Aaron Rodgers had a really good running back was Ryan Grant back in the day. And that was when the offense was at its most effective because play action. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks at play action. You need a running game that is respected, that can that can actually make it to the second level on a consistent basis, that can wear down teams in order for play action to be effective. It can be effective again as long as Aaron Jones gets his opportunity. Now, at the end of the day, even if Aaron Jones is the quote-unquote featured guy, I would not expect him to be the type of guy who's going to be getting you 18, 19, 20 carries with, you know, 25, 22 to 25 touches a game. I don't think he's going to be quite on that level, uh, but I do think he is a guy who could easily get you somewhere between 15, 18 carries, maybe 17 to 20 touches, somewhere in that realm altogether. That is somewhere where I expect Aaron Jones to be, and because he has explosive ability, if he's able to be on the field in passing situations more often because his pass blocking has improved enough and get those opportunities... Aaron Jones is an RB2 with a decent amount of upside given his ability, given that offense and how often they should be able to score given the talent around him. So Aaron Jones is somebody I really like. The only thing I would caution you with is that other than Brian Balaga, that offensive line is still not very good in my eyes, especially in the interior part of the offensive line. So that would be my caveat as to whoop. As to, you know, you don't want to go overboard with his potential. You want to look at Aaron Jones like, oh, he could be, you know, the next, uh, you know, the next breakout star come out of nowhere where I take him in the fourth, fifth round and I wind up with a low end RB1 in my hands. His talent is that way, but the offensive line situation, the loomingness of Jamal Williams being more involved than you would possibly want him to be at times throughout this season, even when Aaron Jones is not banked up, I think is enough to. Be cautiously optimistic. Make sure you have a reasonable expectation. You're going to hear me say that a lot throughout this podcast, really throughout the year. Have a reasonable expectation as to what his potential could possibly be. He is a very, very good RB2 with upside from there if given the right circumstances and the right situation was to take place but draft him as such that fourth fifth round where he has his ADP as of now whether it's standard whether it's half point full PPR he's pretty much in that region with 10 and 12 team leagues that fourth and fifth round I do think his value is there I think his value is correct I think that is a good place to go ahead and take him there for the wide receivers for the Green Bay Packers, look, Devontae Adams kind of falls in the category of Aaron Rodgers. You know he's a superstar. Now, the one thing different with Devontae Adams, I think there's a legitimate case to be made that he should be 
not well could be and should be looked at as a possible top three at his position. First of all, he finished in the top three last year as a fantasy wide receiver, but there's no reason in my mind to think that he could not repeat that status. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, of course, is going to be there. Julio Jones, of course, is going to be up there. Michael Thomas, of course, is going to be in that range as well. I think the question that people are going to have is Odell Beckham in that range. And then where does Devontae Adams fall at in place to that? I lean more towards Devontae Adams. He is more utilized. shouldn't say more utilized, but he gets more opportunities in the red zone. Now, it's not that the Saints don't try to throw the ball to Michael Thomas in the red zone, but it's the fact that due to them not having had a tight end, and maybe Jared Cook changes that this year, but we're not talking about the Saints right now, but due to the fact that they have a tight end, they doubled Michael Thomas a lot in the red zone, where with Green Bay, even though Devontae Adams was the only guy in there, just having Jimmy Graham's presence was enough to get him enough opportunities where he could be utilized as such in the red zone all over the field. I like Adams' ability to score a few more touchdowns. I do think Adams will be a top three fantasy wide receiver again this season. I know the reports about Aaron Rodgers coming out and saying, I want to throw the ball even more to Devontae Adams. I mean, this is the time of year where there there's certain things, there's certain hyperboles like that that are ignored. And that's one of those that should be ignored. Now, there's some, some comments, some situations where it's worth paying attention to. You never pay attention to the number, the expectation that players put on themselves. You, you got to listen to AP saying that he's going to run for 2,000 yards. People are coming out with crazy stats that they want to they wanna goal from themselves. This is the time of the year that they have that. This is the time of the year that they, they use that for motivation. So the same thing goes with Aaron Rodgers saying, I want to throw the ball more to Devontae Adams. I don't know if he could throw the ball much more, but maybe he could be even more efficient. Maybe he could have even better matchups his way because of the development of the guys behind him, like Geronimo Allison, like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, St. Brown to a lesser degree, but I honestly do not think St. Brown is going to be the guy who steps up this year. I think it is going to be Scantling. I think it's going to be Allison as long as he can stay on the field. All reports right now coming out of the Green Bay camp is that Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to be the number two, and not the number two in the sense of when they line up three receiver sets, he's going to be the outside receiver opposite of Devontae Adams with Geronimo Allison in the slot. No, the number two receiver, as in even when they go two receiver sets, it's going to be Scantling out there on the other side or lined up with Devontae Adams, not Geronimo Allison. Doesn't mean that they can't have value. Doesn't mean that all both of those guys can't have value. Geronimo Allison, if he's playing the slot more times than not, the Green Bay Packers are going to be out there with three receiver sets. Rarely does anybody play a fullback, and they're not a team that's going to go out there in a lot of two tight end set situations, quite frankly. They're going to be a, probably a base three receiver set anyway, so Geronimo Allison's going to be out there quite a bit himself. I do like the idea of Allison playing from the slot. Now, my problem is, and if you listen to my coaching changes uh, episode, Go back and listen to that uh, on on Radio Public, on on Spreaker. On Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. For Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. On, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Stitcher, pretty much any podcast app that you like to listen, that you like to get your podcast from, the MD's Phoenix Football Show is predominantly available to you. When you go back and listen to that, you will hear me talk about how I believe Marquez Valdez Scantling functions better when he can play from the slot. Not from a typical slot receiver concept of a guy who's going to run a bunch of option routes and be quick and gadgety and all that stuff. I mean, a slot receiver who can come in and just be bigger than your nickel corner, take him deep, body him up. You can get that kind of mismatch, that Larry Fitzgerald, but with a more explosion, no more speed, and playing that type of role as a slot receiver. I like him in that role, but more so... If As long as he's going to be the number two guy, I do think he's somebody who's going to have really great value for you. He's somebody who's not going through the teens. Him and Drama Allison are both guys that are either they're either going in the teens and drafts or they're not being drafted at all. And I do think that is a big mistake. I think both of those guys can have value. Whoever the second receiver is is definitely going to have enough opportunities to be fantasy relevant on a flex spot start type of caliber that looks like it will be scantling but Geronimo Allison I do believe is going to have value from different weeks especially in good key matchups when they play say defenses like the Detroit Lions twice a year in situations like that those are going to be your three starting wide receivers St. Brown I really think is only going to be a factor if Allison or scantling were to get hurt Uh, he just seems to have taken a backseat to those guys thus far in their development we talked a little bit about the tight end situation. Right now, my projected depth chart for the tight ends, of course, is going to be Jimmy Graham being the starter. Right now, I think what's going to happen is that Mercedes Lewis is actually going to be listed as the number two tight end. But if anything were to happen to Jimmy Graham, it wouldn't be Mercedes Lewis who would become the starter uh, for the for the future, for moving forward after that week. It would be Jace Sternberger. Now, I'm not a big Jace Sternberger fan in the NFL, But he's athletic enough. He could be a red zone target. But I think at the end of the day, really, he's somebody who you're going to have to see it first before you ever believe in picking him up or actually projecting any kind of real significant fantasy value out of him if something were to happen to Jimmy Graham. Now, for Jimmy Graham himself, I talked about a little bit already, but I do, like I said, I do expect him to catch more than just one touchdown this season. I do expect him to be more of a factor in the red zone. I expect this offense in general to take a little bit of an uptick in production, so therefore, I think the opportunities will be there for Jimmy Graham to have a little bit of a bounce back season. Is he going to be the Jimmy Graham of old? No, of course not. He's not going to get you a thousand yards. He's not going to get you double digit touchdowns. Those days are long gone. They're way behind him. And he still may be in a situation where he's not going to get you a ton of yards. 
But I could see a situation in which Jimmy Graham gets you plus six touchdowns. And if you're a tight end getting plus six touchdowns, you have a good shot to be in the top 12 of tight ends. And that, that's something, it's just, that's just part of the position. If you have a chance to have plus six touchdowns in a season, you're somebody who's going to have fantasy value throughout the year. And I do think that Jimmy Graham has a very good opportunity given this offense, given the new regime, given the just natural correction that should take place for the Green Bay Packers will have have that opportunity to do so. Just a quick mention with the Green Bay Packers defense, I still think they're not somebody who you're going to be drafting. Uh, they may have some streamability this year as they should not be as pathetic. They should have a little bit of a pass rush. Their secondary is developing. They should be able to stop some guys. So I think they'll have some spot starts, but I don't think they're anybody you're going to be drafting or really be high on. And then of course, Mason Crosby, was a, you know, he's a top 10, top 12 type of kicker to have on a good offense. He had a really rough stretch at one point during the year last year, but that's not typical Mason Crosby. I expect him to be back on track this season and kind of get back to being that like top 12, top 10 type of kicker that you could pick up late in the draft if you get, didn't get one of the elite ones and still be fine for pretty much the entire year until your bye week. Take a quick break right here. On the other side, we'll come back. We'll talk about the Chicago Bears. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. The Chicago Bears, where to start? Oh, I know, Mitchell Trubisky, of course. Mitchell Trubisky, look, he did have a stretch last season where he suddenly found himself being a top 10 quarterback for fantasy football purposes for a nice little stretch of games there. You know he's a guy who's going to try to use his legs. He may be able to pick up a couple extra fantasy value points when he's able to do so. He's in an offense that's going to allow him to run, that's going to design him to run, whether it be play action rollouts or RPOs, a mixture of the two. We know what you're going to pretty much get out of Mitchell Trubisky. I think everyone's trying to ask the question, do you think he is going to take a next step up going into his third season? And frankly, my answer to that is no. I know he has he showed some flashes last year, but he also had enough times where he looked downright pathetic, Blake Bortles-esque, if you will. And at the, I don't think there's really a difference between Mitchell Trubisky and Blake Bortles, meaning that there are going to be times where they are absolutely going to be fantasy relevant because they're going to have a game where they had to throw the ball a ton because they're coming from behind or that they just got lucky the receivers got open they had a good matchup or they have a game where they were able to take off and run and use their legs quite a bit but they're also going to have a number of games where they are absolute duds because the talent the fundamentals the consistency is simply not there for them as a player the offensive system for the Chicago Bears is infinitely better than Blake Bortles had with the with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think that is a question. I don't think that is a debate. Matt Nagy is definitely a much better offensive-minded coach who tries who does a very good job of putting his guys in situations to succeed. My retort would be that I don't think Mitchell Trubisky showed me anything that his talent got any better or that he developed as an actual quarterback from year one to year two. All I saw was an offense that was built more suited to the skill set that he already had. Now, what happens when 
defensive coaches come back and are able to review the tape on Mitchell Trubisky and that offense and have a full year to look at, to come up with other game plans to stop that type of offense. Defenses usually adjust the year after. When a guy gets hot during a season, it's usually going to be the year after that defenses will find a way to adjust to what it was that they were doing. And from a personnel standpoint, the Bears really didn't get much better. Uh, you could argue that maybe they're more healthy this year. Maybe Allen Robinson can stay healthy for a full 16 game season. Maybe Adam Shaheen could be a factor if he's actually healthy this year and be able to help out Trey Burton as a result because he won't be asked to block nearly as much. Maybe David Montgomery in his rookie season could be better than Jordan Howard, at least from an all-around featured back standpoint and having Mike Davis to back him up in case anything happens. Maybe you'll have that situation, but in general, I expect the Bears to either either be the same of what they were last year or possibly a little bit worse from a production standpoint, um, especially for Mitchell Trubisky himself. I think Trubisky, like I said, he will have times where he's going to have a nice matchup. I'm going to keep picking on the Detroit Lions in that division. Uh, where he will have some streamability if he's on, you know, one of his little streaks where he's been running around has happy feet as of late. But I don't know if you're ever going to be able to trust exactly what game it's going to be except for maybe some really obvious matchups but even then it's going to be is he really going to show up that game is he going to need to because that defense is pretty good as well he's probably not going to be in a ton of situations where they're going to have to come back from behind and get that extra volume that way in the fourth quarter in garbage time so Mitchell Trubisky at the end of the day is not somebody who you're looking to be a quarterback one he's somebody who might have some stream ability from a couple of weeks here and there Chase Daniel is still the backup in case you were wondering and that that's only in case you're wondering moving on. The depth chart of the running backs touched on a little bit here. That's what's going to be the most interesting part to me when it comes to the Chicago Bears and projecting their depth charts and figuring out what you're going to try to get out of this team as far as the fantasy production goes. David Montgomery, I think, should be the starter day one, hands down, no doubt about it, because of a few reasons. Um, one, I've, I've compared him to Kareem Hunt already. If you went back and listened to my NFL draft running backs and wide receivers, fantasy implications, rookie, rookie guys, when, when I was talking about them there, I compared him to Kareem Hunt. He was one of the two running backs in this draft class that I thought had star level potential. And he was my number one guy. And, I also think that he has shown that he has natural hands. Just because he was not thrown the ball in college does not mean he does not possess the ability to receive the ball in the NFL. It merely just means that the offense that he was getting run in in college there in Iowa State didn't just didn't have a game plan to throw the ball to the running back that often out of the backfield. But the few times they did, when you watch him on tape, he doesn't fight the ball with his hands. He runs a very smooth pattern because he's a natural gliding type of runner to begin with. He's not a very overly fast runner, but he's a natural glider. So there's a smoothness to his game when he runs a wheel route, when he runs an angle route, when he tries to just run a swing route out of the backfield. There's a smoothness to it, and he has natural hands. He doesn't try to fight the ball. He doesn't stab at it. He lets the ball come to him, has his hands out in front of him, and can make a nice catch. Uh, He has that ability. We've seen that. So I think David Montgomery should come in and be the guy because if he can be your featured guy, your workhorse guy, it makes you less predictable as an offense because you can't tell what what package or whether you're going to pass or run the football based on who you have back there. 
while yes, Mike Davis showed that he can maybe receive more than we all thought last year with the Seattle Seahawks when he kind of got put into that role, normally speaking with the Bears, when Mike Davis comes in, you're going to be looking for the run. When Tariq Cohen comes in, you're going to be looking for the pass. David Montgomery is the only one who can come in there and not automatically know what the play will probably be at the snap. He's the only one. So that that is where I think David Montgomery should start. And I think if he does get the chance to start, or even if it's early on in the season when he gets to take over the job, I do think he's going to hold on to it and be a featured guy. Meaning, I think Tariq Cohen, I don't like Tariq Cohen's fantasy value at all this year because of David Montgomery. Because you don't know what role exactly he's going to have. I don't think he's going to be an automatic third down, passing play down guy. He's going to definitely come in. He's going to have spurts where he does that. But I think Tariq Cohen is going to wind up being more of a gadget play type guy. Come in, line up at the slot receiver position, run a couple of jet sweeps, come in periodically, for when they're looking for a big playmaker. But I do think David Montgomery is really going to cut into the specialized third down role that he had come to enjoy a season ago. Look, he's still a playmaker. That's 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 no doubt about that. That's why he's still going to be on the field a decent amount. But other than best ball leagues and other than DFS here and there, I don't know how you trust Tariq Cohen in a redraft league with David Montgomery coming in this season. And now, don't forget, they're going to want to try to use Mike Davis at least some of the time after paying him that contract more so than you would normally get for running backs his age that have predominantly been backups throughout their entire careers. They're going to want to use him to some degree as well. I just, I like David Montgomery's talent. You know the Chicago Bears are going to look to run the ball. I think if he gets his shot to start right away, I do think he could be a lower end RB2 weekly flex start type of player for sure. I think his ADP of having him in the 6th and 7th round in 10 and 12 team leagues, whether it be, you know, whether it be standard half point or full point PPR scoring, I do think is right about where he should be valued. I would probably prefer to get him a little bit in the seventh round just because there is going to be instances where you know Mike Davis and Tariq Cohen are going to come in, but I do think it's pretty fair where he's where he's valued at right now. But as a result, I don't know how Tariq Cohen gets as valued as much as he does at the moment because, like I said, I, I, he doesn't. He's not going to have a a a set role that he'll definitely be able to see snaps. And you're not going to look at Tariq Cohen and know I'm going to get eight to 11 touches out of him you really not that's not going to be a consistent thing he's going to have games where he does get eight to 11 touchdowns I think he's also going to have games where he only gets two to four touches given the situation if he's not part of that game plan if they don't have a gadget thing worked out for him if David Montgomery's on a hot streak in that game and has the hot hand and they just don't want to take him out I think you're going to have those type of situations too that's why I think I'm only taking Tariq Cohen in a best ball league I'm I'm avoiding him in redraft leagues even in full PPR I think people are seriously underestimating how much he actually has the potential to be used. So just keep, keep that in mind. Think of it in the situation. Think of it in the context of there's only one football. There can only be one running back, you know, one actual running back at a time for the most part. Keep that in mind when you're looking at guys like Tariq Cohen, especially in full-point PPR leagues where he is getting some hype that he probably, frankly, does not deserve at this moment. For the wide receivers for the Chicago Bears, Allen Robinson, look, the big thing to me for Allen Robinson is can you stay healthy for 16 games? 
because when he was playing for them last year, he was the featured wide receiver. He did get targeted nearly double-digit times every time he was actually playing all four quarters for the Chicago Bears. The question is, can you stay healthy? And we have not seen him stay healthy for a while now. So that is a big concern. Uh, I've talked about before, when I'm when I'm doing the projections, when I'm doing the rankings, when I have that all out available to you, one of the things you're going to notice that I'm going to do differently than everyone else is that I am actually going to project certain players to not play full 16-game seasons. I'm going to project them to have maybe 12, 13, only 14 games played, maybe even less depending on what their history is and given their situation. You're, that's something you're not really going to see too much. Some guys, they try to project guys for less but still project them out over a 16-game season in case they get hurt. I'm just going to flat out project them to only have only play 12 games, only play 13 games. That And Allen Robinson is going to be one of those guys where I'm probably not going to project him for a full 16-game season. I don't know exactly what the number is going to be as of right now, but I could tell you he's probably one of the guys who I will not have actually playing a full 16-game season. But if he were, he is the featured wide receiver. He is a true number one guy. He has that talent. He can be utilized in the red zone between the 20s. He can he can line up in the slot. He can line up on the outside. He fits that offensive system perfectly to be the featured guy. So when he's out there, I do think that you're talking about a guy who is a solid wide receiver too with some really good potential that I think he's getting overlooked right now being a 6th, 7th round ADP type of guy. Kind of going in the same area as Alshon Jeffrey who I also think is being undervalued at the moment, especially when you have guys like Robbie Anderson and and Tyler Lockett going over them. I don't think they have any business going over a guy like Allen Robinson right now. Any business whatsoever. I don't think Sammy Watkins should be going ahead of Allen Robinson given that Tyreek Hill may only be suspended for four games now as well. So certain receivers like that where I'm just like, I know you're going to be a solid wide receiver too week in and week out as long as you're healthy and you are going to have the upside potential of being a wide receiver one for me for probably more weeks than you think because he does have that talent and a lot of people just kind of forgetting that because of how often he's been hurt the last few years it's going to come down to injury that is what we will see behind Allen Robinson is where it gets a little bit trickier will Anthony Miller take that step up will he be the true number two wide receiver from all reports that I have heard so far from inside training camp or inside mini camp was that Taylor Gabriel looks pretty good so far this season. And that he- Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tret Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. He's submitting his, supplanting his role as a slot receiver, but also as a guy that they're going to still want to try to use in gadgety situations as well. Also taking away from possibly Tree Cohen on those same type of situations. So is Anthony Miller 
So th- that's what his role is going to be. Taylor Gabriel is another guy who I'm really just taking in best ball, maybe given in certain situations if I have to throw a flex play out there, home run type of play, I may look Taylor Gabriel's way. For Anthony Miller, will you take that next step up? I like his talent. I think he's a good possession-wide receiver. Uh, we didn't get to see him fully last year, but I think he showed that he will be a competent NFL starter with what we were able to see. But I don't think it's enough for me to have Anthony Miller on my radar as far as redraft leagues go, no matter the format, no matter the scoring system that you have in place. He is somebody who I'm probably going to have my eye on come waiver time, but I'm not going to be. He's not somebody who I'm going to be looking to draft. He's going to somebody I just have to keep my eye on during the season, see how he plays, see how he develops see how that offense in general is doing look behind them they got Riley Ridley uh you know younger brother of Calvin Ridley pretty good rookie wide receiver I don't think he's going to have a ton of opportunity this season but he is somebody who I think lights a fire or would need to light a fire under Anthony Miller's ass to some degree because they have a very similar type uh, of game. They're, they're going to be asked to do very similar types of things, I think, throughout training camp. So it's going to be interesting to see how Anthony Miller responds to that, given Riley Ridley being a pretty good, I think, route running type of wide receiver in his own right. They also have Cordero Patterson. I just want to mention him. He's going to be probably used mostly on special teams. I don't expect him to be used as a running back like he was with New England Patriots, given all the running back talent that the Chicago Bears already have in place and are going to want to use as well. Um, you know, He's not somebody who you're going to look to draft. He's probably not even going to be somebody who's going to be on the waiver wire, but he's somebody to kind of take note of if someone were to get hurt. He's also there, like I said, for special teams where I think he gives a little bit of boost to the Chicago defense and their special teams because he's got a good returner. And of course, they're going to have a good defense as well, as we all know. Yes, they're losing Vic Fangio, but I don't think that means their defense is all of a sudden going to fall apart as a result. Uh, Trey Burton, he's been, he was a huge disappointment last season. I don't know if it gets that much better. The system does utilize the tight end, but Mitchell Trubisky really hasn't shown an affinity for throwing the ball to the tight end position since he's been in the league thus far. Maybe that changes this year, but the fact of the matter is the, the Chicago Bears offense spent so much of his time throwing the ball in the middle of the field with its wide receivers, especially last season, that I don't know what Trey Burton's going to do. Now, like I said, if Adam Sheehan can stay healthy, he'll be asked to block more, which may free up Trey Burton to do what Trey Burton does best, which is really split off from the line of scrimmage and line up as a glorified, bigger type of slot receiver. That's really what he needs to be doing. He can't be called in there to block in those situations and then think he's going to perform at the level you need him to perform when he needs to go out for a pass route for a pass route because he's just he's not the type of guy. He can't get beat up on the line of scrimmage and then run a crisp route and come up with a big catch. He's going to get beat up. He's not a big tight end. He's a smaller type of guy. Uh, so maybe the emergence of Adam Shaheen being healthy this season and backing him up will help. I do think, though, that Adam Shaheen really had it had not been for Trey Burton's contract. Adam Shaheen should be the guy who would be the starter in this situation coming into this season with, A, how good he has looked so far in training camp out of everything that we have heard. B, he's 6'7", he's a natural red zone target. Outside of Allen Robinson, the one thing this team doesn't have is any other real true red zone type targets to be able to go to. And Adam Shaheen is somebody who I think had a lot of potential coming in and just haven't been able to see it yet because he's been hurt and it's still an early career. So 
I think if it wasn't for Trey Burton's contract, you would see Adam Shaheen in this situation. Because of Burton's contract, though, I don't think Adam Shaheen will be taking over the job from Trey Burton, at least this season. After this, maybe we'll see, especially if Trey Burton's a, a disappointment yet again. But for this year, because of his contract, I think Burton is safe to be the starting tight end and somebody that you're probably going to draft later on in the draft, take a flyer on, which is fine. I think I don't think there's much of a difference between a Trey Burton or Jordan Reed or you know those type of tight ends that are going in the, the David Njoku that are going in like the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th round in fantasy drafts right now. And that's as where they should be come August time. And I do think that is where at the end of the day uh, they belong. Eddie Pinero is looking like he is going to be the kicker to have. Look, in the Windy City in Chicago, it's really tough to get a kicker that you can trust predominantly. But because, like I just pointed out, I do think Chicago may have some issues in the red zone. There may be a couple extra opportunity for field goals. I'm not drafting Eddie Pinero as a kicker if, if you're in a league that does that does still draft kickers. Uh, but he is somebody who I'm going to have on my radar for waiver pickups for bye weeks or maybe even if you like to just stream kickers depending on the matchup as well. We're going to take a break right here on the other side come back talk about the Tennessee Titans tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game well join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free again that's promo code MDFF all right, we're not going to use as much time on the Tennessee Titans as we have for the previous two teams. I want to make sure we have our very special guest on the other side when we talked to Cleveland Browns in the last segment. Make sure he has plenty of time to break that down with us. So we're going to get through the Tennessee Titans a little bit quicker than the other teams right here. And for good reason. There's a reason why I figured we would talk a little bit less about them because there's not really as much to talk about. Marcus Mariota at this point is going to have to prove that one, he can stay healthy. Two, that he can actually uh, take a step up in any kind of way for you to feel like he can be a fantasy player for you. He's definitely not going to be a quarterback that you're going to look to draft, I think, at all. He is somebody who, if he shows some promise in in in, uh, in their new offensive system not, or, or a more fundamental offensive system built around the run game with play action and his rushing ability, if he shows that he can stay healthy and be on the field, take advantage of that situation and be able to use his legs, then maybe he will have some streamability to him as the season progresses. But going into the season, going into draft season right now, I don't think Marcus Mariota should be on anybody's draft board unless you're in a two-quarterback league. Uh, especially redraft leagues, especially 10, 12 team leagues, there's really no reason for Marcus Mariota to be getting drafted. He is going to be a starter. If he should go down, Ryan Tannehill would come in. And I... I like the signing of Ryan Tannehill from the Tennessee Titans from a, a football perspective because I'm a big believer in having backup quarterbacks who reflect the abilities of what your starters can do so that way you do not have to completely change the offense if your starting quarterback gets hurt. But at the same time, Ryan Tannehill falls in the same boat where he's going to have to prove that he's going to run around enough with his legs in order to have streamability if something were to happen to Marcus Mariota. So it's going to be the kind of same deal no matter who the quarterback is for Tennessee. It's something you're going to have to see before you believe. It's not something that I'm going into the season with any kind of actual expectation, or at least in a positive way of thinking I'm going to be able to utilize either one of those guys given who is on the field. 
The part about the Tennessee Titans that matters, and perhaps the only part about the Tennessee Titans that matters from a fantasy perspective, is the running back situation. Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis. We saw last year they tried to go with a a full-blown split with Deion Lewis actually kind of outplaying Derrick Henry earlier on in the season, but Tennessee also as a team was not performing as well. And then we saw what happened towards the end. Derrick Henry, yes, he had that huge game against Jacksonville. He had another couple good string of games after that as well when they just committed to being a physical power run first football team. I think that is what they're going to try to come out in the beginning of this season, the beginning of 2019, and try to be able to do right away. They got Roger Saffold to be able to come in on what was already a pretty good offensive line when healthy. Remember, Taylor Wong got banged up last year. Conklin got banged up last year. These guys should be back and healthy, and if they all can stay healthy as a unit this should be one of the better offensive lines in the NFL and if they commit to being a physical run team I do think that bodes well for Derrick Henry here's something about Derrick Henry that people do have to keep in mind for being as big as he is, he is not an efficient runner. He is not the Marshawn Lynch type of guy where you're going to give him the ball and you know he's going to find a way to get you four to five yards each time he touches the ball. He's not going to get tackled in the backfield. He's not going to get tackled backwards, period. He is going to fight his way through the line of scrimmage and find a way to get you four to five yards almost every time he touches the ball. Derrick Henry's not that type of guy. He is the type of guy, for, even though how big he is, he is a more of a a home run or miss type of running back. He's either going to get stopped at the line of scrimmage because I still think he lacks consistent vision or he's going to find a way to he's going to find a seam through the line of scrimmage and bust through and being how big how fast he is and how big he is is really hard to bring down once he gets to the second level. So he's a guy who's going to come in, he's going to get you chunk runs, but I don't think he's going to get you efficient runs. And that's where the question is going to come into play with Deion Lewis because Deion Lewis for being how little he is is actually pretty consistent. He's actually pretty efficient when you give him the ball. You can count on him getting you positive yards even though he's such a smaller guy. He's very good at finding the creases. He's also an infinitely better pass catcher than Derrick Henry is. That's one thing that even when Derrick Henry was playing really well towards the end of last season, we still saw that he very much lacks the ability in the receiving game. That still needs to be Deion Lewis's role. I still expect that to be Deion Lewis's role on third downs and passing down situations. And I do think the Tennessee Titans are going to find themselves in a number of games where they're going to have to be coming from coming from behind going into the fourth quarter, which will be Deion Lewis ta- taking at least a good amount of playing time away from Derrick Henry in those situations when they have to get in comeback mode and two-minute drill. So I don't think Deion Lewis is something going to fall off a map. I think if you're in a half-point league, full PPR league, I do think Deion Lewis is a sleeper type of guy that you're going to be able to take in teen rounds, and you're going to get some good return on. Going to be a guy that you're going to have situations where you're going to be able to spot start him in the flex. I do think that is going to be the case. I do think he's going to play more than people realize. At the same time, I do think Derrick Henry can be an RB2. I think there's... A, I think because of the type of offense that they are going to try to run, and it's going to be so running back heavy, I do think both of these guys can eat. Uh, But Derrick Henry is going to have to be in the right situation. I think their game plan is going to be to try to give him 18 to 21 carries a game and then see where it goes from there. But he's going to be almost a non-factor in the passing game, making him more of a standard scoring type of running back that you're going to want to draft 
in the fourth round and the third round, which is where his ADP rate is right now. But I don't understand why his ADP is that high when it comes to half point and full point PPR leagues, which it is right now. 10 and 12 leagues, he is going in that fourth, third rounds. He's going almost higher than Leonard Fournette at this point, which makes absolutely no sense to me, given that Fournette, without a doubt, is going to be the workhorse guy, where Derrick Henry is going to split some time with Deion Lewis and probably be a non-factor in the passing game as a result. So just keep that in mind. This is why I like to go through these depth charts to kind of give you the full picture of what's going on on the team for each individual player and what their true fantasy expectation, realistic expectation can actually be. Something to just keep in mind when it comes to Derrick Henry as he keeps getting charged up the rankings, charged up the ADP in in the fantasy world right now. People are just pumping him up and I'm just telling you, slow down. He Really, to me, he's a guy I would value him in the fifth round, sixth round, because I think he's somebody who could be a low-end to solid RB2 and have a couple of games for you because he does have big play ability when he gets to the second level to give you a little bit more than that in certain situations and might win you a couple of weeks, but he's also going to be a guy who's going to be inefficient. He's going to have games where he's going to get stuff for 10 carries and 30 yards. That's also going to happen this season because he's just he's that type of runner, even behind what could be a, a focused power run type of system. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at Derrick Henry and how high you really want to go and drafting a guy that I still think has question marks as far as what his actual upside can possibly be. When it comes to the Tennessee Titans wide receivers, I think the only one that you can really pay attention to as a from a fantasy perspective on a consistent basis is Corey Davis. Uh, AJ Brown is still a rookie. I love AJ Brown. He is he was my number one wide receiver coming into the draft, but he's still a rookie on a team that is a run first type of team. So from a fantasy perspective, I don't know what you're really going to expect out of AJ Brown in a redraft league situation, no matter what the score scoring format is going to be. Do I think AJ Brown is going to be the other outside receiver? starting from Corey Davis. In three receiver sets, I do. Adam Humphreys is going to be the slot receiver, but it also I also think Adam Humphreys, as of now, until unless we hear different in training camp, as of now, I think Adam Humphreys is going to be the receiver starting on the opposite side of Corey Davis when they go to two receiver sets, which they will be in quite often. And I do think that's going to be Adam Humphreys, at least for the beginning part of the season until we see A.J. Brown maybe get more involved and show what he really can do. But I don't know if there's any Tennessee Titan wide receiver for redraft leagues this season that I'm going to count on to be fantasy productive on my team. I know people want to believe in Corey Davis. A lot of people like his talent. He is a decent wide receiver. I don't think that his his lack of production, his disappointment season, especially last year, really is all his fault. It's his quarterback. It's the offense that he's been in. But that offense, I don't think, is going to change a whole hell of a lot, especially not going to change for the better for the passing game. If anything, there's going to be more opportunities for the running game. So I don't see where Corey Davis is able to take this jump up to suddenly be a number, t- a wide receiver two in fantasy the way people th- seem to think he has an opportunity to do so. I think this is one of those situations where you're going to have to prove it to me before I believe it. And I don't think he's anything more than a wide receiver three with some flex starring ability from time to time. He's still not a guy who would want to start to flex every week either. And I think he's the only wide receiver in the Titans that you can even consider wanting to play from a fantasy perspective. Now, the only other pass catcher that you would want to consider would be Delaney Walker. But the thing about Delaney Walker is, I mean, he got, he got a nasty injury last year. The guy's in his mid-30s. 
I, I don't, what does Delaney Walker have left in the tank at this point? I don't think anybody's going to be able to answer that question until week one because you know he's not going to play in preseason. So when are we going to see it? We can hear reports from training camp. We could try to keep our eyes on it through NFL Network as much as possible, see how he looks running, see how he looks breaking out of his routes. But we're really not going to know what Delaney Walker has left in the tank until week one. I think he's going absolutely too high for a tight end that we have a lot of question marks about and really don't know a whole hell of a lot at this point point in the season like right now he's somebody who's going pretty consistently regardless uh regardless of the league scoring regardless of the league size somewhere around that ninth and 11th round and I think that is way too high he's the guy who should be going back where Jordan Reed is going back with the guys who have upside if if they are if they have enough in the tank if they're in the right situation have are, are in opportunities that they may be one of the top targets Delaney Walker could be one of the top targets again if he's good to go but have serious question marks as far as injury, so we'll have availability issues. Uh, and also, at this point in his career, or is he on the downslope? What does he have left? Does he have the ability to have big games anymore? A break free, have a big playmaking capability like he did before he got hurt a year ago? I that That's a big question mark to me that I don't think can really be answered with any kind of confidence one way or another. Therefore, to me, he's a guy who should be in the sleeper tight end range back in the 14th, 15th round. I will have no shares of Delaney Walker if he's if I'm in a draft where he's going between the 9th and 11th round. Absolutely none. Uh, as far as Tennessee's defense goes, I do think they made some improvements in certain situations, but I don't think it's going to be anything different than what they were last year, which is a streaming defense You know, in certain situations when they play a really bad offense. is not somebody who's going to be drafting. They are a defense, though, the way they are built, if they are able to run the Vrabel Old Patriots system well, that I do think they could have some potential to be a higher-than-the-middle-of-the-pack type of fantasy defense, but I'm not going to be looking to draft them going into August. It's going to be something I'm going to have to see as the season goes on in streaming opportunities I do like Ryan Suckup he's usually a pretty good above middle to average pack kicker could fight for a top 12 kicker spot possibly Uh, it's an offense I do think is going to kick a lot of field goals and be a lot of field goal battles throughout the season so you kind of have that going for you but I think at the end of the day you'd rather just kind of pick him up as a streaming type of option he's not somebody who has the upside to get you into the top five kicker situation that you would want to you want to draft for uh, normally speaking all right that wraps up the Tennessee Titans on the other side, I have a very, very special guest for you who's going to break down the Cleveland Browns with us. So after the break here, we'll get uh, I will announce and introduce to you our very special guest of the podcast. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. And welcome back to the show, MD Nation listeners, and I have for you a very special guest to bring you all today to help us break down the Cleveland Browns. He's not just special because he's the host and creator of the great Cleveland Surge podcast. He's not just special because he's a top-level contributor and manager at the Overtime Heroics Network, or the fact that he is a fellow partner with the Unwrapped Sports Network. 
He is a special guest, and I'm not even sure if he knows this, but he's a special guest because he's the first guest to come on this podcast, the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I introduce to you Grant Pushkar. What's up, guys? How you doing? Um, I'm really happy to be here today. Um, I did not know that. First guest, that's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm glad to do the honors for you, my man. Oh, I'm so happy to have you on, man. You're really have great podcast there that talks about everything with Cleveland sports. You really do a great job of diving into that. You know, you know your hometown like the back of your hand. So I couldn't think of anybody better to bring on to help us break down the Cleveland Browns as we go through the fantasy analysis by team depth chart mini series part one, of course, being today. Uh, but before we get into the Cleveland Brown questions, what I want to ask you is a little bit about you. I want my listeners to know who you are and get to know you and want to check you out. So first off, you know, one of the really cool things about being a podcaster is what made you get started? How did you come about starting your podcast? Yeah, for sure. So um, first of all, I've always been a diehard Cleveland fan, always. I've always loved talking sports, whether it be with family, friends, arguing sports, whoever it may be. So um, I'm 18 years old. Um, I'm going to college in the fall. I'll be attending Cleveland State University, and I'm going to be doing sports journalism and a little bit of sports broadcasting as well. So I really broke it down, and I was like, hey, I'm going to be going to college for this stuff. I might as well start writing some articles and um, doing doing a podcast, creating my own podcast, talking about what I love. So that's incredible only 18 years old and be already off to the start that you are that that's real that's really incredible uh, really congratulations and, and a, a great a great um you know a great compliment to how hard you're working already and how much you already have under your belt is really really impressive um what what kind of what episode do you have upcoming next for our listeners to the possibly look forward to before we get into the browns um, so actually, I mean, this is also cool because for the guys listening to this tomorrow morning, you guys will be the first ones to hear the announcement. I'm mean, not really a big announcement. It's just an update. I will not have, this is the first week I will not have any pods. I'm going out to Utah with my family, so I will not have any this week coming up. Um, I release them on Tuesday and Fridays, but if you guys haven't heard my most recent episode with, um, my good friend Blaze Sags and also Brown's contributor, writer for Big Play, Rod Bloom, um, you guys can go check those out, but yeah, I will not have any this coming week, um, but then... Um, coming up the next week, back on track every Tuesday and Friday. Oh, excellent, man. I hope you have a wonderful time on your vacation, and you definitely deserve it in summertime. We got to get it in before, you know, before football season kicks up and everything gets crazy. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's cool that I'll be able to get this in with you right before we head out, so I'm excited. No, me too. All right, so let's let's get into what we're here to talk about today, and let's let's start it off, you know, not in the obvious territory. Let's go with what role do you think Kareem Hunt has when he comes back. We all know he's suspended for the first eight games. We all know that because they're bye week, he will not be able to come back until week 10. So the big question becomes, what do you think his role will actually be when he's back on the field? Yeah, so for sure, like you said, uh, he's suspended the first eight games. And when he comes back, I really think um, Duke Johnson is going to have a huge um, part in his deciding factor of whether or not Kareem Hunt himself will have a huge impact on our offense. I really think he will regardless of if we do decide to move Duke Johnson or not. Um, but let's just say uh, we don't move Duke Johnson. He, Kareem Hunt is a great pass catching back. Um, we've seen that throughout his days in the NFL. We also know he's a great running back, but I don't believe that he's going to be the number one. I think Duke, Duke or excuse me, not Duke Johnson, Nick Chubb is our clear number one back. Um, he's going to be the, he's going to get the heavy workload. He's going to be our number one back, but 
Um, I really do think that if even if we don't move Duke Johnson, I think Kareem is going to get used a little bit more just because I believe he has a higher skill set. Now, if we do move Duke Johnson, then obviously Kareem Hunt's going to have a huge impact on our offense. He's, I mean, whatever happens with the roster, he's going to be a huge goose. And um, the last eight games of the season, when he does come back, we have a way easier schedule the second half of the season. So I really do think he's going to take advantage of that and tear it up. Do you, so you think he's going to come in right away and assume a significant role with the offense if Duke Johnson has been moved uh, to be fantasy relevant in his own right? For sure, yes, I do think so. Okay. Uh I, I can't disagree with any of that. I definitely agree with your your Nick Chubb points. I think he is he is your guy. He is your featured guy. I think he showed some ability that in the passing game. I think we've seen plenty of coaches come in uh, that have said they're going to use Duke Johnson more, and that just wind up not being the case time in and time out. So I do agree with you there. When Kareem Hunt comes back, it does create quite of a dynamic. He is very talented, so hard to keep him off the field. Uh, so it will definitely be interesting. And it also kind of cuts in a little bit to Chubb's you know, what his fantasy value is when you get to that part of the season. He can carry you as an RB1 until then, but at that part, especially with you being an insider on the Cleveland Browns, knowing that, you know, Kareem Hunt may have a more significant impact than people would expect. It's something that people will have to consider when drafting Nick Chubb as well. Right. Now, for the next one, We'll go with the more flashy one, the one everyone wants to talk about mostly when they talk about the Cleveland Browns going into this season, which is what do you believe the chemistry right away? I think eventually it'll be fine, but right away, what do you think the chemistry will be like between Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr.? Man, I just got to say, for the Browns fans out there, if you guys are a Browns fan, listen to this great podcast, MD Fans Football Show. What a time to be alive. I really think that um, the Baker and Odell chemistry is going to be right on from the jump. I mean, they're they're working out in L.A. um, a little bit. Um, Him, those two guys, as well as Jarvis, uh, and some other guys. I believe David Njoku is out there as well. So, I really do think that, I mean, they've worked out together in the past when Odell was on the Giants and Baker was just coming in before his rookie season. So, I mean, they obviously have chemistry, at least on the practice field. And I really do believe that will carry over into the NFL, um, being on the same team. And I think it will jumpstart right for week one. I think that their chemistry will be spot on for the whole season. All right. I like it. I like it. I, I don't disagree. Look, one of the things that people talked about with Odell Beckham Jr. going to the Browns, and it was mostly the haters of the deal, probably, you know, mostly predominantly ex-Giant fans there. And that was, you know, oh, good luck with those two getting along. They're too high-headed. These are two guys, they're high-headed because of how competitive they are. It reminds me of the T.O. thing. It was just somebody who was always misunderstood. When you have two guys like this who just want to do everything they possibly can to win a football game, you're going to see their attitudes, their top dog type attitudes, I think, feed each other rather than disrupt each other. So I definitely agree with you there. I I definitely see a lot of chemistry in between uh, Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr., especially for fantasy purposes. Now, here's one on the lower radar when you're talking about the Cleveland Browns. What kind of fantasy potential do you think players like David Njoku and Antonio Callaway are going to have on this team? So... Um, I'm kind of, I love David Njoku. Um, he's huge. His hands are huge. He, he's a tight end. He's had trouble blocking. Um, but at the same time, if he's a stay on that juggling machine, he could be an elite tight end in this league. I don't think anyone considers him an elite tight end yet. Um, and we have so many weapons. So I don't see David Njoku's value in fantasy as a tight end. 
being that great. But I'm really glad you mentioned Antonio Callaway because I have been saying it since I started this podcast. I think Antonio Callaway is going to have an amazing season. Um, everyone, all the corners, all the safeties, all the secondaries that we play against are going to be focused on, obviously, Odell and Jarvis. Antonio Callaway has blazing speed. There are going to be so many times um, where he's just going to run a streak down the middle of the field, and he's going to be wide open and burn the corners in the secondary because no one's going to be able to catch him. He's that fast. Um, so I think in terms of fantasy, he really – he's not going to – in PPR, I don't think he will be good. Um, that Darvish is your guy if you go that route. But I do think he's going to get you um, anywhere from three to five receptions a game maybe, but all those are going to be like – even if he has one or two, it's going to be one reception for 20-some, 30-some plus yards, like a long touchdown rather than a bunch of possession catches like you would get from Jarvis Landry. I, I, to- I totally agree. Antonio Callaway is a very promising talent. He's had a rookie season. Yes, he has some problems with drops. It was also his rookie year. I agree with you. Antonio Callaway to this team is going to be vital for Beckham and Jarvis Landry as well because you are not going to be able to sit there and double those guys or play up closer to the box when it comes to Jarvis Landry in the slot intermediate parts of the field because Callaway is going to take an extra safety out of the box. I totally agree with that point. Now, from a fantasy perspective, as far as redraft leagues go, I don't believe that you're going to be wanting to draft him unless you're just taking a flyer later on. But in best ball leagues, in DFS leagues, I'm glad you pointed out his ability, his, his breakaway speed, because that is where he could thrive in those types of formats, I, I believe. Definitely. I believe so, too. I have one last Browns question for you, and then we will let you go and get and get back, get ready for your vacation there. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend, do you believe <laughs> Baker Mayfield will be a top three fantasy quarterback in a redraft league for this year? Top Brown fans, top three, I'm going to go with no. Um, I mean, those guys all over the board. Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes. Um, I mean, I, you can you can name a bunch of quarterbacks. I just, I would say in a, for a redraft, I'm not, top three is too much for me right now because he's going into his second year. People have tape on him now. I'm not, I'm not slighting Baker Mayfield. I think he's going to have a great season. I've seen that he's, um, people are saying he's going to be the MVP candidate. Man, prove me wrong, Baker, but I'm not going to go that far. So I would say around anywhere between 5 and 10 in terms of uh, QB for a fantasy redraft. But top three, I really do think that's a little – that's a hot take in my opinion. I, I would agree with that, but there's there's been so much hype in so many different directions when it comes to Baker Mayfield. Some people love him. Some people want to boost him all the way up to the top. Some people not so much. Some people have him actually outside of being a quarterback one, which I think is just simply insane given the offensive weapons and the offense that Freddie Kitchens will be trying to run. Um, and just a little peek behind the curtain, that was actually not the question I sent to Grant, so good job thinking on your feet there. I only asked him if he was going to be a quarterback one or not. All right, so... That's going to be all the time for today. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and helping us break down the Cleveland Browns. Before we send you off on your way, let all the folks know where they can find you, where they can follow you, where's the best places to get your podcasts and and anything else that you want to talk about. For sure. Um, So first of all, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I had a great time with you today. I would love to get you on my podcast in the near future as well. Absolutely. Um, I will definitely be there. For sure. Um, but so on Twitter, you guys can follow me at Grant Pushkar, P-U-S-K-A-R underscore. That's where I have, I mean, I go crazy about all Cleveland sports, um, and just every, anything sports related, really. 
Um, so follow me on Twitter there. Uh, my podcast, um, the New Cleveland Soaps podcast, I'm on, uh, I run it on Anchor, but I'm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Breaker, Google Podcast, all of those. So that's where you guys can go over there and find uh, find my great uh, Cleveland Surge podcast content for you guys um, in all those platforms. All right, excellent, everyone. I hope you guys all go check that out. Go check out Grant Puskar. He's a great follow, great listen on the Cleveland Surge podcast. Thank you again for coming out. We'll definitely have to have you back on, and I will be on your podcast whenever you need me to be. For sure, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, MD Nation listeners, I hope you guys all enjoyed that interview. I thought it went very well. Again, another thank you to Grant Pushkar for coming on to the show. I am breaking down the Cleveland Browns with us. That's going to close down the show for us right here, right now. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Remember, we're kicking it up to two times a week now. So we're going to be back here on Thursday with another installment of of the Fantasy Analysis by Team Depth Chart episode. Make sure you're following me at MDFF Show on Facebook and at MDFF Show on Twitter to get updated as to what teams we're going to be talking about in that episode. Also on Twitter, make sure you have your notifications alert on when you're following me because you're going to get all of the player update news notifications that are happening 24-7 as well as we go into training camp. Remember, you can check out this episode or any of my other episodes on a wide variety of podcast apps available to you. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio Public, all of those available to you any other of your favorite podcast apps the md fantasy football show is mostly available on all of those platforms are also available on the OvertimeHeroics.com website, the UnwrappedSports.com website, and the BellyUpSports.com website, along with many of my other peers and podcasts that are giving out great content and information. So make sure you go ahead and check those out as well. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I'm going to see you guys again on Thursday. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.